Okay, welcome to episode nine of the podcast, everybody. I'm really excited. I've got Ash here. Um, Ash is a kinesiologist. So such an amazing way to start the year. I think, um, you know, this is going to be a very inspiring chat, I'm sure. Um, so Ash has a, um, a practice called Grounded Soul Kinesiology and you're in Armadale, aren't you? Yes, yeah. So I'm landing there full time this year. Um, I have been in three clinics for the past year and a bit. So yeah, calling it my home. Oh, that's awesome. That's actually close by to me. So I feel like now that I know you're in Armadale, I'll have to come and see you. So I love that. Um, so I guess let's jump straight into it. So do you want to tell us what you do, what kinesiology is, how you got into it? Um, yeah. Go for it. It is a bit of a tongue twister to say. Not many people know. <laughs> They're always like, kinesi, I'm like, it's okay. No one knows what it is. So I'm happy, more than happy to explain it because I love it so much. So at its core, so it's a natural modality that uses what we call muscle reflex testing to tap into your subconscious mind. So that is a mouthful. Um, and I think the best way that I can explain it is if I were to give an example, because some people will be like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. But if they can hear like, you know, an example that can help. So let's say that, you know, I have a client come in, let's call this particular client Albert, and he comes in with, you know, he's got acne on his face, he's really um, struggling to speak up, he's finding that he's really uncomfortable at work, all of that. So we, we speak about that, we say, you know, is that an issue in your life? And he says, well, usually I'm really confident, but when it comes to my boss, I can't speak up. So we then get him on the table. And for those that are watching, you know, if it's a video recording, your arm will be like this. So for those that are listening, if you think about if you watch The Simpsons, there's a drinking bird and it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. <laughs> That's the best way I can explain it. Now, on the table, we will get Albert to say something like, um, I'm confident in speaking up for myself. Yeah. Now, what will happen is the arm, so the muscle that we're testing will unlock so that signifies that there is a stress between what he's consciously saying and what he subconsciously believes. So consciously he knows that he's confident in a lot of other areas, like he can speak up to many, many people. But when it comes to this specific instance to his boss, there is a stress that's hidden in some conscious layer. So if we dive into that as kinesiologists, that would be something where we go, oh, there's something there. We need to find the root cause of that problem. Yeah. So... There's a lot of processes involved, but, you know, to summarize it, we will then check to see, okay, where is this being stored? So let's say age seven is coming up and I test through my emotions chart and the emotion that's coming up is humiliation. So I then ask Albert, what does this mean to you? Now he would probably, you know, there will be a flash of a memory that would come up and he'd say, oh, well, this is coming up. When I was seven, I was in a classroom. I put my hand up. I wanted to, I knew the answer was right, but it was wrong. Everyone laughed at me and I was humiliated. Right. So from that age seven has caused a ripple effect that whenever someone is more, I guess, dominant than him to, for him to speak up, he goes through the process of fight or flight, really anxious, gets humiliated, and then that then stores within the body. So as a kinesiologist, our role is to grab that, the, the root cause, and ask the body, okay, where are you storing this? What do you need to heal from that? And then let's move you through that process in order to get you off the table feeling a lot more balanced. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a process, but like after that, what, you know, most people will find is it's the importance of the integration process where he will then go to work and he won't have that overwhelming feeling of, oh, what if I'm wrong? Or the skin, like even the skin that I mentioned at the start, you know, because he's aggravated, he's angry, he's frustrated himself, that will show up in the skin. Um, so acne is, you know, repressed anger. It can be what's getting under your skin, who's getting under your skin, all that kind of stuff. So the acne will disappear. His confidence will grow. His conversations with his boss will be really easy. And from there, Albert's life would then change. So that's the best way that I can summarize kinesiology. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I mean, I think I'm kind of jumping ahead here. I mean, but I think you touching on acne is really um, something that kind of hits home for me because it's something that I'm working on at the moment. And the practitioner that I'm working with, she, um, you know, continuously mentions that the skin is, you know, inflammation, that inflammation is aggravation. Um, mm. And, you know, working through that, we've been doing a lot of inner child work. And I'll be honest, when I first did, I know you do a little bit of kind of inner child work in essence because it all kind of um, intertwines really um, if we're going back and thinking about when someone's age seven and working through that in today. But, um, yeah, when she was like, well, we'll do some inner child work, I was like, oh, like, sounds good, but, like, I think I'm fine kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it just is so amazing how our body really does hold on to hold on to everything you know it's um it's got it's it's it needs to work through emotions and I think kinesiology from what I'm understanding is a really amazing modality in order to do that because I think as a society I'm 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 curious to hear your thoughts on this but it's it's increasingly difficult for people to express their emotions because we don't have a society that really um you know, accepts that. It's like if it's not a good feeling, then Hmm. just push that down. So I think that pushing down, that pushing down is kind of what eventually comes up with some some health issues really, right? Absolutely. And I want to touch on what you said before about how you had that hesitation of, no, I don't want to go back to that age because that is a very real thing. You know, if there's pain and if there's trauma or stress around that time, yeah. What the body does is it suppresses that. Mm-hmm. And so for someone to unlock that, it can be quite scary or anxiety-inducing or like, oh, what's going to happen from here? But that right there is the golden nugget. If you have that hesitation and that, oh, I don't want to touch that, yeah. that's when you know that it's the root because mm-hmm. that's going to take the biggest work. You're going to have to get, you know, your shovel, your spade, your all of that to dig that out. And it will take consistency and um what's the word, like devotion to that to then clear it. But the results on the other side, like, poof, amazing. Like it's. Yeah. And I I feel like, you know, with people, with clients that are looking to work with yourself or practitioners that do this work, I think from my experience, the main key is being able to, um, you know, hold a space for people and let people be vulnerable because, I was having a conversation actually with one of my friends and I was talking about how I journal and she was like, oh, you know, I don't really journal or whatever. That's embarrassing. I wouldn't want anyone to eventually find that. And it's like, you know, we, it's hard enough to be vulnerable with ourselves and like to yeah. fess up to ourselves like, hey, this is bothering me. So I think, you know, the first step is, you know, even just coming to the session and being willing to um, explore it is mm. amazing because it is super scary. You know, there's always – 
like you say, there's certain things that you're happy to admit and there's other things and you're like, no, 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 that one's, that one's too deep. Like let's just get past that. So, yeah, um, yeah I think holding a space for people, which um, I see that you do like through your Instagram and it just seems like a really beautiful kind of um, bouncing off place for people to start to heal themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say are kind of the main con- like issues and concerns that people come to you for? So, what, yeah, what do you see mostly? Um, well, I mean, every practitioner is different um, within kinesiology. There's so many people that, um, you know, specialise in the one thing. Like for me, I'm really passionate about anxiety because I've, you know, I've been through anxiety for a number of years of my life and it's something that I've learnt to manage and master and all of that. So predominantly I see a lot of clients come through with anxiety. Um, any physical ailments you can also treat with anxiety, I guess is the right yeah. word. But I, I think with kinesiology, it's it's not um, – sorry, I said treat with anxiety. I meant treat with kinesiology. <laughs> um, yeah, so kinesiology, it, it's – it's not limited to, to one thing. Like, you know, chiropractor, you go for your back um, and your nervous system. So you could come to a kinesiologist with an ankle pain and that ankle pain could be holding an emotion. So it could be, you know, are you feeling unstable in your life? Are you feeling like you can't move forward? Like is it the right foot or the left foot? Like there's a lot of the, the kinesiology that I trained in, we look at the metaphysical as well. So you could literally come to me with anything and it doesn't necessarily need to be a specific thing. All we're getting you to do is allowing the body to speak, to say, okay, well, this is the emotion that's stored underneath that. This is where I'm holding and repressing that within my body and this is what it needs to clear that stress from myself. And it's interesting as well that you said before about that whole willingness piece because that is a massive, massive part kinesiology if you don't have that leverage to change you won't change yeah you I'm assuming you know if if acne has been something that you've experienced throughout your life like that is it it can be embarrassing humiliating frustrating annoying like you just want to pick your skin off and it's just like when will this end (laughs) and the willingness for you specifically would be like I want to get rid of this because like it's important for me whereas someone who you know if they um, what's an example that I can use? If they, you know, have a broken leg and they're getting some form of payment, like a disability payment or something from the government, their willingness to change is different because that payment is still coming through and they're getting a benefit from that. Yeah. Whereas their willingness is like, oh, but I want to walk again properly, but mm, the finances are really good. So they won't have that willingness the same as you would. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's with like all holistic health, what I've found that people who are in this realm or clients that are interested in, you know, discovering these types of things, it comes from, I guess I can speak personally, it comes from a really firm belief in that it's our birthright to be in 100% health. Mm. So that's where I'm, I always come from when I'm healing myself. Like it's not good enough to be like, yeah, I'm okay, but I'm all right, but this, it's like, you know, we're human. We're obviously always going to be going through things and, you know, you have variations of when you're feeling like your best and stuff like that. But I think everyone has a different barometer of what they're willing to tolerate. So um, it's Absolutely. I agree with you 100% on that. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, 
I want to touch on again how we draw, um, oh my God, help. When we, how we store trauma in the body. So, I mean, you mentioned, you touched on that example of the, the man who goes back to his kind of seven-year-old self. Um, how, can you delve a little bit deeper into that? And, you know, again, I guess you touched on how you would release it. Um, but maybe if you could talk a little bit about moving forward from the kinesiology session, like what are some things you do to help your clients integrate um, the clearing that they've been able to achieve? Yeah, so the thing that we work with predominantly as kinesiologists is the subconscious mind. So if you experience a trauma, there with that trauma is, you know, certain beliefs, certain behaviours, certain patterns that get attached to that. Yeah. And then what happens from there is it gets repressed and suppressed within the body. So then there's that muscle memory, that cellular memory that's holding that stress mm-hmm. and we forget about it. Well, not necessarily forget about it, but we push it down and then it shows itself in other ways. So let's say we'll bring it back to Albert again with that humiliation. That's a trauma for him. Now, the holistic psychologist, if you're familiar with her, she talks about big trauma and little trauma. So it doesn't matter what kind of level it's at. It's still trauma. Yeah, it's still still trauma, yeah. Yeah. So for for Albert, that would be the humiliation means that it's holding in that muscle memory. He doesn't know where it's coming from. He doesn't know why it's there, and it will show up in him freezing. It could be that flight response where he just wants to run out of that meeting room and not have to answer the question. He could start to involuntarily shake. There's so many things that that trauma will then kind of create within the body. Yeah. So a big part of kinesiology is identifying that and where, you know, again, at what age that's being stored at, how it's being held and what the body actually needs. So a big part of stress within the body is we need to identify it. So naming the emotion, the person that needs to feel that, you know, get the conscious part of the mind out of the way because that will try and control. That's the ego coming in to be like, no, we don't want to feel that. That's exactly what you were talking about before where it's like, no, 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 that's too hard. Like that's unsafe. Mm -hmm. So if we go into that subconscious, so if you think about that iceberg again of, you know, the 95% below, 5% on top, we're getting into that 95% and we're checking to see, okay, that belief of when I speak up, I will be humiliated, that comes from this particular point. So the body may need um, a crystal to hold. It may need an essential oil, a flower essence. It When when it's Specifically trauma, though, it's more body work. Like it could be acupressure points. It could be that the client needs to do some breath work to actually process and move that energy up and out. Um, Shaking is incredible as well. So just kind of, you know, moving parts of the body, dancing. All we're wanting to do is put some movement to that emotion. Yeah, yeah. It's a big process. Yeah, it's a huge process and obviously completely personalised. You know, this is kind of over um you know over an umbrella of like everything that you can cover but um yeah that's really amazing and I think I wanted to touch on how you were talking about big trauma um and little trauma I think what I continuously hear um when people are discussing you know what issues they have a lot of people will then go oh but you know in comparison to other people like I guess it's fine and it's like well what does it matter in comparison to other people? Because you're never going to feel their emotions. You're only ever going to feel yours. So it's mm-hmm. enough for you to feel it. It's, that's enough, you know. There's no need to, um, you know, compare your trauma. It's almost like I find a lot of people 
I don't know if the right word is gaslight themselves, but they kind of just go like, oh, you're fine. Like, it's mm. okay. There's worse things out there. So. Um, and I guess that's just, you know, that fear of not wanting to look at it. So then we place the importance of other people's issues as higher than our own. So then we don't have to look at ours. Yes. That's that's a really good point that you make, and I guess um, I wanted to ask you on that, placing other people's needs higher than ours, about people-pleasing uh, and boundaries, how this shows up in the body. I think especially as a lot of women that listen to this podcast, and I feel as women, as a collective, we tend to take on that role of, um, you know, giving more than we take. So. Yeah. Notes on that. (laughs) (laughs) So many. (laughs) So people pleasing. I remember listening to something a little while ago, and it really hit home for me because I think wearing the label of "I'm a people pleaser," Mm. we we take it so lightly, where it's just like, "Oh, that's just who I am." You know, it's a good thing. Whereas, no, I once heard that it was um, your people manipulating. So what you're actually doing is. You're being who the other person wants you to be and you're manipulating them into thinking that I am exactly like you. So it's a really dangerous thing to be like, yeah, I'm a people pleaser. Because, again, if I add it into, you know, NLP purposes, that's forming a part of your identity. And when it's a part of your identity, it becomes really, really difficult to remove that because who are you when you're not doing that? And for the person that's on the other end, I I put a post up about it recently on my Instagram, for the person that's on the other end who is witnessing you changing that behaviour, let's say that, you know, it's with a parent and you're always there for them, you're always doing things for them, helping them out, like answering their calls 24-7, like just being there left, right and centre. Yeah. As soon as you change that behaviour, they'll be like, what the hell? What, What are you doing? Why aren't you here for me? Why... Why aren't you answering my calls? Why, 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 why? So that people-pleasing then has that ripple effect of, well, I never communicated that I was changing my behaviour, therefore asserting a boundary. And that then means that my, you know, it's then crossed and then resentment and, sorry, my dogs are going crazy. That's okay, that's okay. Um, The boundaries then get crossed. And if you don't assert yourself, so, yeah, if you're the person that consistently gives, 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 gives to your yeah. parent and you're constantly answering the, answering those calls and all of that, when that behaviour then changes on your end, they will push back and they will say, why aren't you doing these things for me? You're always there for me. Now you're not, like you're not answering my calls. You're not here for me. So yeah. if there's not a conversation to be had about asserting that boundary and the fact that you're changing that boundary, the 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 person on the other end will start to realise and they'll have anger and resentment. The other way, like you mentioned before about how it shows up in the body, if you ignore that and if you continue within that people-pleasing, people-manipulating behaviour, the body will start to talk to you. So you will see you're getting migraines. Now, a migraine, if you've ever had one, you're locked away in a room for a day, two days a week. Mm. that's your body saying you need to have a boundary so we're going if you're not going to listen we're going to put you in a room (laughs) with excruciating pain yeah but now other ways that it could be is bloating so if you think about the stomach when it bloats it actually creates like a another layer (laughs) physical boundaries yeah right so and that's you know linked with the stomach and the stomach is all about processing and digesting finding fulfillment you're actually ignoring that 
for yourself by living in accordance to someone else's life and their values. So the people pleasing, I don't necessarily like to call it that because I feel like it's a very throwaway comment. Yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's like you're not really pleasing anyone. It's like you're just manipulating kind of, you know, the other person and then you're not being authentic to yourself because you're going against yourself every time you're interacting with them. Correct. Um, And, yeah, I think it's it's so powerful that it shows up in, 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 in a physical way. And I was talking to someone about this the other day and, you know, their sister was like such a people pleaser that it ended up resulting in a really chronic illness and the way that that played out for the sister was that essentially she was getting attention finally she was getting um noticed she was getting people pleasing her almost but it was finally time for her to just sit there um and have Mm. and to to be noticed and to be heard and to be realized um and it's amazing and it's a shame in the same way that it turns out that way um That's yeah, it will manifest in different ways for different people depending on what their intention is. So her people-pleasing could have been that she was accepted and, and valued and loved and all of that, and then it turns around the other foot and she's still being accepted, valued and loved, but just in a way that is at her detriment. Yes. For yes. both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think it's a really difficult conversation to have. I mean, it's a whole kind of another topic in itself, the whole people-pleasing mm. thing, but um, – you know, putting up boundaries, you have to be strong enough to know, like, who you now are because the minute you start acting in that way and people tell you, no, you're not this way or that way, it's really easy to bounce back into that same um, kind of personality trait, which is, like you said, it's super important mm-hmm. when people take people pleasing on it as a personality trait. It's like, no, it's a learnt behaviour, really. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, now, I saw on your Instagram you do a lot of work with clearing kind of negative energy and negative attachments, and I was like, oh, this is so up my alley because <laughs> I always speak to my grandma about this anytime I'm, like, in a weird kind of, like, funk or I'll leave a social setting, and I'm like, I just feel, ugh, like I just feel like there's something that's kind of attached to my energy. So I would love to hear how you deal with this. Uh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's super common. Super. I think week leading up to, I think my last week before I went on break, I cleared so many attachments and negative energy fields. It was insane. So, the um, okay, exactly what you said. It, it's that feeling of, oh, something's off, something's not right, something feels a bit strange, um, and there's different kind of um, ways. So the attachment we speak about is let's say that, you know, you've spent some time in a social setting and someone's had like just a bit of a energy, like a really yucky energy. What an attachment is, is it just kind of attaches to your clothes. Um, So it's not physically in the body, but it's just latching on kind of like a leech and it's just sucking, 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 sucking. Now, when it's an entity that's different, it's more internal. Now, entities are a lot stronger. They take, like, you know, the real heavy-duty kind of stuff to clear that out. Yeah. You can't necessarily clear an entity on your own. You, de- you definitely need a practitioner to help with that. Yeah. Um, and that is more if you're feeling depressed, low, really dark, really not yourself. Like, if people are commenting to be like, you're okay, like, you don't seem like you, yeah. that can be when an entity, I mean, not all the time, like, sometimes we just go into that because we do, but... 
some of the time it could be an entity that has attached itself internally to then be feeding off and and just I like to think of it as like a little gremlin that lives inside of you and it's just oh yeah um and then we have what's called a negative energy field so that's just like in your aura um, it could just be a smear or a smudge of someone's yucky energy that they didn't want to hold anymore and they're like, oh, she looks like a strong person, I'll just palm it off to her. Mm-hmm. So within kinesiology, we test to see um, if that's something that's within the person's field. Yeah. And most common things to clear it are things like clearing spray, Palo Santo, sage, um, you know, black obsidian crystal, clear quartz crystal, energy work as well, um, feathers, anything that's light and, like, got a higher vibration, that's what we would use to clear it. Oh, I love it. Love it. So, so super powerful. I feel like I have a lot of um, – I've had, like, a lot of strange experiences with, like, energy and, like, people touching mm. energy and things like that. But, like, it's definitely one of those things where it's, like, you just know. Like, you just know. Like, if you're in touch with your kind of – yourself and your energy and you're like attuned to that kind of thing you can just feel it like you'll go into a social setting feeling like really good and then you'll leave and you'll be like oh like I just feel Mm. so um strange so yeah um, is there things that you do specifically when you do feel that way well I spoke to this um psychic actually and I've started doing this thing where I like just do claps around my body so she essentially was like it just she boiled it down to being like it's just energy like it's just it's literally just energy so you just need to break up that energy somehow um yeah. I think I'm really connected with the water so if I feel like I have like a weird energy I'll like go into the water like even into the shower and just like do like a cleansing with the water and that works 100% yeah I love that I love an ocean dip a cold shower um another thing that i like to do is just speak with the intention so if you know that you've picked something up and you're not feeling right you could you know um and i'm planning to do a workshop soon of self muscle testing so that you can learn to do that for yourself (laughs) are you doing it in person um i'm in the process of working that out but i think online as well because i think it's really beneficial but mostly in person That'll be amazing. I have to come to that. I'll bring it up. Absolutely. You're more than welcome to come. Love to have you there. But the intention of that is to, you know, you could say um, I'm 100% in my own body and in my own energy. And for me, like, yeah, I'm locked. So that means that I am. But for the purposes of, you know, the podcast, if it unlocks, that means, okay, well, no, I'm not 100% in my own energy. Then you could ask, has someone else's energy come into my field? Um, all you want to do is like a yes, no response. You can use a pendulum, all kinds of things like that. But the intention of that is to then look to your surroundings and muscle test to see, okay, what do I need to then clear this from my field? And you can even ask the question of, you know, do I need extra support? Yeah. And then that's booking with a kinesiologist to then wipe that clean. But, yeah, yeah I think it's, you know, you can always tell when you've picked up something. Like if you were to walk into a room and, you know, a couple's just had a fight, mm. you can feel that energy. Like it, you just know that it's there. So you'll be then able to feel, okay, well, I've had something come into my field or it's activated, you know, a feeling within me that oh, I haven't looked at for a long time because um, there's a book that I was reading a little while ago. can't remember her name. It'll come to me later. But 
she basically speaks about, you know, you can't have something attached to you if you don't hold it within yourself. Ah, mm. that's very powerful. Yeah. So, I mean, as humans, we hold every single trait. Um, yeah. You know, we see a lot of similarities within other humans because we have the same emotions. It may not be to the level that they're experiencing, but it may be that, you know, that couple that had a fight, we walk into that room and that's kind of aggravated something within us that we're not communicating. So then it then filters out of that space and comes into our internal environment, ruffles up some feathers, and then we feel off. Yeah. So energy is infinite. Every trait we feel, every emotion we feel, and it's just about, you know, every walk of life you're kind of picking up different things in order for you to overcome that and heal. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Energy is incredibly powerful. It just kind of all boils down to that at the end of the day, really, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, there's, a, there's anxiety. Everyone is talks about anxiety. It's just this term. Um, and it's an interesting one because I think, like, I'm sure you would agree, briefly touched on it. That's kind of just like an umbrella statement and then it's like all these, like, separate categories within that. It's like you don't feel worthy, you don't feel, um, like, lovable. It goes on and on. Um, I think a lot of the time I chat with people, though, and they – experience a feeling of um numbness and i think when you have an outside perspective you can look at someone else's life and you can be like well you know maybe you feel numb because you're not processing this this and this emotion and then maybe you chat to them and you know try to maybe you know help them through it and they're like no no i don't i don't feel like you know it's something else um and i guess what are your thoughts on that? Have you do you have people that come to you and they're like, I literally just I don't know what I feel. I just feel numb. Yeah, a lot of the time, um, and that's why kinesiology is so powerful because it gives the body the ability to say, well, hey, I know exactly what you're feeling, and all you need to do is just muscle test through. I've got a big emotions list um, yeah. in each clinic that I'm at, and we just test to see, okay, well, it's coming up as I don't know. Let's go with criticism. Yeah. Um, and then that opens up the dialogue of, okay, well, how is that showing up in your life at the moment? So yeah. the whole purpose of kinesiology is to identify what the body is storing and mm-hmm. have the client that's on the table actually speak to that. So I'm not influencing anything at all. I'm literally asking the body, okay, what is the emotion? Where is it being held? And then asking the client, what does that mean to you? So criticism could be that, oh, I'm constantly criticizing myself. Yeah, And if they don't know, you know, what is underneath that, then we'll go further and we'll say, okay, well, what's the emotion underneath, underneath that? Yeah. And that could be feeling unsupported. It could be feeling unworthy. It could be, you know, having a lack of empathy in their life. Like it, there's so many things that will be driving that criticism. Mm-hmm. So for them to go from feeling, yes, I feel really numb, to then getting off the table and be like, oh, okay, I now know that that criticism is almost like the broken record within my mind and that's creating me to feel numb because I don't want to feel that. So it's this real domino effect that kinesiology can be like, well, that's the emotion, that's where it's being stored and let's ask the body what it needs to move that on and out. Yeah, that's amazing because there is always a feeling, like we are feeling beings, like there's always something happening so it's either like you're just so used to that emotion that it's almost numbed out in a way, like you're like so used to feeling it or you know, there's heavy emotions, like you mentioned, that you're just not um, in a place to really um, realise or uh, or understand them 
um, entirely. So that's really interesting. I think um, in any kinesiology work that I've had done, um, there's always something surprising that kind of pops up, you know, mm-hmm. something that you would be like, oh, really? Like, do I really feel that way? And then they'll kind of work through it and they'll be like, well, how about this? Or they'll word it differently and you're like, oh, that's really, like, makes sense. But it's, you know, shocking. Like, we're talking about emotions like shame, Mm. like embarrassment, like humiliation. It's like you can't really um, work through those emotions necessarily by yourself, I would say. Would you agree? I don't know. Yeah. This is probably why the client is presenting as numb because those emotions are heavy. They are stemming from a very, very deep place. So if we were to look at this within a session, you know, the lung meridian probably would come up because that's where we repress our emotions. We're not taking anything in. We're not letting anything go. We're just stuck and we're numb. So to work through those emotions of shame, guilt, disappointment, blame, whatever it is, we need to identify, again, coming back to the root of why it could possibly be there. Now, you could work on that yourself, but I think when another person is involved as a pr- practitioner who has experience and is there at a place of just holding the space and letting you kind of not work it out yourself, but it, they ask the leading questions to say, okay, well, have you thought about this? Just exactly like you were saying with your kinesiologist of, well, I didn't think of it like that or no, I don't feel that. And that's where the power of questions is so important. Yeah. Um, and, again, that's just your body leading me to ask those questions. That questions is kind of the key that unlocks it all because a lot of the time if we don't ask the right questions, well, we're limited in, in, in the answers that we can give us. So I guess getting a practitioner involved and having someone, you know, ask questions that you never even would have thought to ask yourself is where um, a different element of healing is able to flourish because you're like, oh, I never would have asked myself that, you know. Yeah. Um, definitely. And that could be, you know, where you speak about journaling and that could just be asking really reflective questions and then noticing and identifying where you're getting blocked yeah. And then taking that part of the process to your practitioner to say, okay, well, this is where I got to and now I'm stuck. Now I'm feeling numb. I know that there's something underneath it, but I just can't get to it. Yeah, and I think that's um, that's really, really important when you're working with the, um, another practitioner. Like the session can only take you as far as you're willing to um, mm. get to it. So I think it's not just, you know, they're coming to you and they're like, heal me. It's like, yeah, I'll help you. But it's like, yeah, let's let's work on it together. Mm. Um, yeah, very, very powerful. Um, I wanted to ask you, I guess, on that note, what are some tools that you recommend people utilising in order to kind of clear their energy, reset their mindset, work through heavy emotions? What do you recommend? Uh, look, it really depends on the person. Um, for me personally, I, you know, a really simple tool and technique that I use after every single day is I just kind of shake the day off and when I get home I have a shower yeah. and I just wipe, you know, any energy excess off that's not mine yeah. and I watch it go down the drain. So oh. for me that's it's just really simple um, and it just allows me to then be like, okay, I'm in my own energy and I can just relax into the night. Other tools and techniques, um, journaling is a great one. I love I love that so much. Um, 
breath work, meditation. I know that there's a lot of people that are like, I don't have time or no, I can't sit still or my mind is, you know, going crazy. One thing that I will say to that is let it. Um, a really powerful thing that you can do, something that, you know, I learned through one of the clinics that I work at is if you just put a timer on your phone for seven minutes and you just sit in silence, um, what you will be presented with is almost like a movie of all your thoughts running rampant and you just you just let them be there. And eventually over time when you keep going with that seven minutes, you know, it could be a daily practice, you'll find that you just sit there and there's nothing mm-hmm. or there's maybe three thoughts and it's just basically you're getting a trash can and you're emptying it. Every every time that seven minutes is there. So that's a really good way to keep your vibration high, to keep those thoughts, you know, clear and allowing that conscious mind to generate new thoughts, new patterns, new pathways, all of that. Um, You can keep a crystal on you. You can keep an essential oil on a little, um, what's that face thing? Cotton (laughs) swab. on a little cotton pad and breathe it in through the day there's you know you can have a dance practice a shaking practice any movement yeah there's so many different things that but what I will say is do what works for you if journaling works for you it may not work for the other person so that's a high value of yours it may not be a high value of theirs they may need to actually you know sit in front of a mirror and just blah yeah yeah that's really interesting I think um something that I've learned recently I'm I think person it comes down to your kind of personality type like i'll speak from personal experience like i'm the type of person who's always go 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 i'm like we've got to utilize the time we've got to move we've got to move people you know and when people are like you know you've got to meditate i always thought of that i'm like well that's a waste of time like i've got i've got stuff to do <laughs> and a really um good like mindset that helped me shift that was like no, this is productive. This is one of the most productive things that you can do in your day. So I think for any like personality types out there who think similarly um, to me, find it difficult to just kind of come into your body, just maybe switching the mindset to be like, this is absolutely productive. Like this is something that you need to tick off the list. Because, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of us work like that. They're like, you know, if it's not a meeting, if it's not an email, it's not kind of relevant in a way. I love that reframe that you just did. That's very powerful. It's very powerful. And I think also what you mentioned um, about what was the other one that you talked about was, oh, journaling. Um, I am like a crazy like overthinker and I found in the early process of me doing journaling, it actually would turn into sometimes just continuously writing about what my issues are and feeling like and then it ends up being like a really negative spiral so if anyone's Mm -hmm. doing that I think um that it's always a good idea to maybe start with some prompts like some good journaling prompts so that at least your journaling is a bit more guided and you don't let like all that negative Mm -hmm. um stuff take over the practice because it can be easy to go down that path Absolutely. And a question that you could ask, because, you know, if, if you are overthinking, the thing that's driving those thoughts is that internal belief that, you know, things have to be that way and it's that negativity and that's what you want to get out. But I think exactly like you said with the prompts, maybe a question that you could ask is what will happen when I change this behaviour? Yeah. So if you're someone that's overthinking, it's like, okay, well, if this behaviour wasn't there, who would I be? Yes. Possible for me. Like what, and that brings you into the opposite side of, okay, well, these are the benefits and why wouldn't I want to 
jump into that reality. So that comes into that manifestation and actually dropping into those feelings and emotions of, well, if I wasn't an overthinker, I would be the type of person who is motivated, gets things done, like super inspired, out of my mind, in my body. Like there's so many benefits of that. And if you allow yourself to drop into that, you will then start to feel it. Your posture will change. Like you'll feel completely different. Completely different, yeah. And I think also what I think is really important that you mentioned is you spoke about values. You were like, well, maybe someone values this and someone doesn't value that. And Mm -hmm. I think that's something I learned last year, which has changed um, so much about the way I go about my my life and the thoughts that I think because once you're clear on your values, you're a lot clearer on who you are as a person and you're a lot less harsh on yourself for certain Mm -hmm. things, you know. If someone's um, like... Like one of my friends was like, you know, you're, you're always exercising, you're always doing that and you're, and I, and I just can't do that. And it's like, well, that's not a value for you and that's okay. It's like you can't then beat yourself up about it. So it's almost like setting boundaries with yourself and being like, well, you know, what do I value and how can I, um, you know, make that work for myself instead of beating myself up for something that I'm just never going to be interested in, you know? And that's a really interesting point. So exercise is a really common one. So for that particular thing, I would encourage if you're someone that's struggling with that Mm. and if your highest value is, let's say, social life. Yeah. Now what you want to do is you want to tie in that value to exercise. Love that. (laughs) Like that is like the biggest hack ever. I love that. Yeah. So you want to say, okay, well, my social life is X, Y, Z. Um, in order for me to be fully energized, you know, feeling good when I'm out, that means that I will exercise. Yeah. So exercise gives me that. That means my social life will grow. I'll have more energy to do so-and-so. You are more likely to exercise then if you attribute it to your highest value. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Because that highest value will drive you. It's like it's in your core. It's something that you absolutely just you almost make it part of your personality. Like this is something that I just, that needs to be done. So um, that's so powerful. (laughs) If I was listening, make sure you do that. (laughs) Yeah. Just like take the time, put on some relaxing music and figure out like what your top six values are and then what you want to achieve and like figure out how to get there. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. (laughs) And now I wanted to ask you one of my last questions is, can you explain what is the triad of health? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do these three elements uh, intertwine? Yeah, so the triad of health, um, it's a big part in kinesiology. Uh, now there's different kind of, you know, a lot of kinesiologists put chemical structures in there too, but the one that I focus on, if you picture a triangle, one side of it is the mental side, the other side is emotional, and on the bottom you've got structural, physical. Yeah. So, and in the middle, sorry, you've got spirit. Yeah, your spirituality, your faith, all of that. So mm-hmm. let's say that you have a knee reconstruction mm-hmm. and that knee reconstruction, you're at home, like if you're particularly a really, really active person, you know, exercising at least five times a week, like, you know, playing sport, all of that, your physical body needs to rest and heal and what you gain from all that exercise and that sport is your social, like your mental health is really good, your emotional health is really good, and as soon as that's taken away, so the physical, so the part of the triangle then falls, 
and then the mental falls and the emotional falls and then your spirit is kind of dropping. So the reason why we use the tree out of health is because, okay, well, you may be presenting with a physical ailment of the knee pain. That then affects your mental state. So then that then, you know, you have depressive thoughts, you're not yourself, and then that affects your emotional state of like, I just feel really low. I feel really uninspired, unmotivated, I'm just flat. So we work to heal all sides of the triangle so that your wholeness, the spirit, can come in to be like, everything's okay, you just need to wait it out, you need to have those three weeks off, what can you gain in that time when your knee is healing? So one thing basically affects the other, which then affects the other, which then affects the spirit. So you want all sides of the triangle to be balanced, Yeah. um, which then means that your spirit is, you know, free, illuminated, healthy, strong, um, so then you can prosper in your life. I love that. That's so powerful. That's literally the definition of, like, holistic health. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you? So you're in um, Dell, anyone who is in Melbourne. Do you do um, mostly just in person stuff? So, yeah, look, I do online as well. Um, you know, like I said before, energy is infinite, so it can travel. People are, whenever I have them online, they're kind of amazed. Like, how did you know that? It's like, well, your body's telling me. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Um, But, yeah, so I am in Armadale at a clinic called Enlighten. Beautiful. Um, And I've got my website, so groundedsoulkinesiology.com. You can find me on Instagram. That's probably where I'm most active. Um, I tend to just post, you know, whatever's coming up within the week of clients or what I'm seeing. anything like that. So, yeah, come and find me. Yeah, I'll pop everything in the show notes. And I guess anything that you have coming up, like you mentioned, any classes or stuff like that will be on your Instagram as well. So for anyone interested in doing that, just keep an eye out, follow along. Um, And, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I loved chatting with you. It was great. It's amazing.